Before we begin our Torah study this evening, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. This evening on the sixth night of Hanukkah, I want to share with you the story of the man of mystery, Tzafnat Paneach. Tzafnat Paneach had a troubled youth. He had been the victim of human trafficking. As a teenager, he had been sold to human traffickers who transported him to another country. His family had not only abandoned him, they were actually complicit in selling him to slave traders. He carried no official identification papers. He was an undocumented alien. No citizenship papers from anywhere. No ID, no rights. He was treated as property and sold into forced labor. He lived now in a foreign country and was a slave. It was a hopeless situation, and it gets even worse. Safnat Paneach was a convicted felon. He was imprisoned for sexual assault. Of course, he said he was innocent, but the courts did not believe him. It's quite a story. Safnat Paneach's background seemed to be nothing but trouble, and many thought that he himself was nothing but trouble. But there was more to this young man that many people thought. In fact, some people would later say that his adopted name, his, his name meant a finder of mysteries or one who reveals mysteries. You could call him man of mystery or even mystery man or, or revelation man, something like that. That's pretty much what his name meant. Some say his name could even mean savior of life or something like that. He had a kind of power to connect with the spiritual world and to reveal secrets and hidden knowledge to all kinds of people. He was not a fortune teller, though, or a palm reader, but he sometimes seemed to like to scare people by saying that he practiced divination and that he could see into the future and into the hidden places of people's hearts and their minds. People would tell him about strength, strange things that he had experienced, that they had experienced, and Safnat Paneach would unravel the secret meaning, and people were often amazed. They would say, mystery man had incredible powers. How do you do this? People would ask him. And he would answer mysteriously with something like, God only knows. Surprisingly, despite the bitter circumstances of his life, he was also a hard worker. And even in prison, he was one of those guys who could get things done, things that no one else could get done. The mystery man, Safna Paneach, was waiting. He was waiting for the right time, waiting and hoping for a time when he could escape from his troubled past, when he could escape from prison life and start a new life somehow, somewhere. Year after year, he waited, thinking the time would soon come, but it didn't. Two men that he helped in prison were released at one point, and they were in his debt, and they promised 
to help get him out. They said that they knew powerful people on the outside, and they said they would put in a good word for their old prison buddy to someone who could work in those ways that only the most powerful people work when they decide to get something done. They promised to help, but they didn't help. Years later, one of them remembered remembered him and did what he had promised. It was one of those days, nothing particularly special about it, the kind of day that seemed just like any other. But on that day, a prison official came to Tzafna Paneach with some news. There was a powerful person who wanted him out of prison right now because he needed his help with a mysterious dream. If Tzafnat Paneach, the man of mysteries, would help, and if he was useful, this could be his permanent way out of prison. And so the prison officials cleaned up this mysterious prisoner. They shaved him. They washed him. They made him smell good. They got rid of the prison stink, and they gave him new clothes. They took him out of the prison, and they brought him to who did they bring him to? Well, it was, in fact, the richest, most powerful man in the entire country. And now some of the details may begin to fit in for you. Who was it? It was the Pharaoh of Egypt. Now, I may not tell you the whole story, but I will tell you something you need to know. Tzafnat Paneach was not the man's original name. This was the new name that he was given when he got out of prison. His new boss, the Pharaoh of Egypt, gave him that name. His story is an amazing one, and believe it or not, it's in our Bible, and we read about it in this week's Torah portion. Every year around Hanukkah time, we read the story of Tzafna Paneach and the amazing things he did and the surprising ways that his troubled life turned out. This one who was renamed Tzafna Paneach, he's more familiar to us by his given name, Joseph or Yosef. Joseph, the son of Jacob, Joseph, the son of Israel, the patriarch, Yosef ben Yaakov, Yosef ben Yisrael. After he's freed from prison, promoted to a high government position, Joseph has a moment of reflection where he expresses that he has put his past troubles behind him. Genesis 41, verse 50, and the next few verses captures some of those thoughts that, that Joseph had. Before the years of famine came, Joseph became the father of two sons, whom Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, had born to him. Verse 51, Joseph named the first one Manasha, or in English, Manasseh, meaning God has made me forget completely my hardship and my parental home. And verse 52, and the second one, the second son he named Ephraim, meaning God has made me fertile in the land of my affliction. And that sets us up for what surely surprised Joseph. In this week's Torah portion, we read that the same brothers who sold him to human traffickers end up in the same room with him 
in Egypt. There he is face to face with the brothers who hated him so much and valued him so little that they sold him into slavery to human traffickers. The brothers don't know who he is at this moment, but he knows who they are. These brothers think that they're meeting with the Egyptian, Safnat Paneah, trying to make a business deal with him. He's got food to sell, and that's what they need to buy. They meet Safnat Paneah, and he's talking to them in a foreign language through an interpreter. He's now a high government official, and he looks the part. And for this part, as a high government official in Egypt, his head would be shaved or covered with an Egyptian headdress, and he would be wearing eyeliner and makeup according to the Egyptian royal custom. But his brothers have no idea who he actually is. They think they're talking to the Egyptian prime minister, which they are, but they have no idea that they're talking with their brother. There's another moment when Joseph is overwhelmed with emotion. The brothers still don't know who he is, and they have no idea that he actually understands them when they're speaking to each other in Hebrew. Here's how the Torah describes what happened in Genesis 42, starting in verse 5. The sons of Israel came to buy, along with the others that came, since the famine extended to the land of Canaan. And Joseph was governor over the land. It was he who sold to all the people of the land. Now, when Joseph's brothers came and prostrated themselves before him on the ground, Joseph saw his brothers and he recognized them. But he acted toward them as if he were a stranger, and he spoke harshly with them. He asked them, where are you from? And they answered, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And so Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. Tzafnapaneach treats them harshly. He accuses them of being spies and planning treachery. And then he makes outrageous demands upon them. And the whole time he's speaking Egyptian and he's using his interpreter. Genesis 42, verse 21, we pick up the drama. The brothers say to each other, and they're speaking, you know, in Hebrew, not in Egyptian. They say, we are in fact guilty concerning our brother. He was in distress and he pleaded with us. We saw it and we wouldn't listen. And that's why this distress has come upon us now. Verse 22, Reuben answered them, didn't I tell you don't wrong the boy? But you wouldn't hear of it. And now comes the reckoning for his blood. Verse 23, they had no idea that Joseph understood them since an interpreter was translating for them. And then in verse 24, it says that Joseph turned away from them and he wept and then he came back and he spoke to them. He took Shimon from among them and put him in prison 
before their eyes. Tafna Paneach demanded that they return to their homeland and then get their youngest brother and bring him back. That was unbearable to them. And to Jacob, their father, it took a long time before they were desperate enough to go back. And we pick up the story again in Genesis chapter 43, verse 25. When Joseph arrived home, they went in the house and presented him with the gift that they had brought him, then prostrated themselves before him on the ground. He asked them how they were and inquired, is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They answered, your servant, our father is well. Yes, he's still alive, as they bowed in respect. He looked up and saw Benjamin, his brother, his mother's son and said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And added, may God be good to you, my son. And then Joseph hurried out because his feelings toward his brother were so strong that he wanted to cry. He went into his bedroom and there he wept. And then he washed his face and he came out, but he controlled himself as he gave the order to serve the meal. They served him by himself the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians, the other Egyptians included at the meal, ate by themselves because Egyptians don't eat with Hebrews because that's abhorrent to them. Verse 33, and so they sat there facing him, the firstborn in the place of honor, the youngest in the last place, and the men expressed their amazement to each other. It's a great story. I hope you take time to read the whole story for yourself this year. And that's it for right now. We'll pick up more of the story next week. And tomorrow, Saturday, we'll have a special message about Jewish secrets at Hanukkah and Christmas time. Plus, we'll be singing Hanukkah songs. We'll have a Torah service too. And after the service, we'll go next door to the Shalom Center and we'll have a wonderful Hanukkah oneg with fresh, crispy cream donuts, coffee, and wonderful fellowship together. I hope that you can join us for some Hanukkah joy and deliciousness tomorrow in person at the synagogue. In a moment, we're going to close with Aaron's blessing and a final worship song. But first, would you consider a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all of the details. And now Aaron's blessing May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep watch over you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine brightly upon you on this Hanukkah night. And may the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace, his shalom, in the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, our Messiah. Well, from Sandy and me and the entire Beth Israel team, thanks for joining us. I hope you can be with us in person on Saturday in the sanctuary in Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue in Jacksonville, Florida. We'll also live stream the service tomorrow on Facebook and YouTube. And now a final worship song from Brian and Deanne Rose. Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and happy Hanukkah.